Welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. I'm your host, Ed Robinson, and we've got a great one for you today. I've got my MMA and wrestling analyst, Eric. He's back on the show. We'll discuss the recent deaths of professional wrestlers, Brickhouse Brown, Brian Christopher, and Nikolai Volkov. All that is coming up, but first, here's Lauren Williams with your financial tip. Hi, this is Lauren Williams of Worth Winning, and here is your money tip. Today's tip is about hiring a financial professional. So frequently we think, I don't need a financial professional in my life. Uh, Why would I want to hire someone to help me? You know, why would I want to pay some more money to have someone help me handle my money? And the answer to the question is, there is nothing quite like the expertise of a financial professional. You are an expert in whatever field you work in. You go there every day. You put in multiple hours a year. And, you know, it's kind of like that 10,000-hour rule. You've really got to learn and study something in order to be an expert at it. And though we all deal with money on a, on a regular basis, doesn't make us all money experts. So do you have the time to actually become a money expert? Do you have the time to learn everything it is that you need to about your personal finances? Do you have the desire to put in that time um, on a regular basis? And if you don't, maybe that's when a financial expert comes into play. They, they help you create a strategy. They help you create a plan. They help you um, look at things from an objective perspective that you probably wouldn't be able to do. And as a financial planner who has a financial planner, I think it's very important um, that you have someone who can provide an objective look into your finances because money is emotional. And we need to know and understand that there's emotions tied to our decisions in addition to some rationale. Uh, And having that objective person say, here's the difference between the two and here's in light of that um, is a really good investment. So invest in yourself by hiring a financial professional and asking the pertinent questions uh, to make sure. What are those pertinent questions? What are your fees? Um, Explain to me how you get paid. Because a lot of professionals will make it seem like um, the the, the fee is taken care of somewhere else. Uh, No, if you're hiring them, then you're the one paying them and you need to understand where their fees are coming from. The second thing you need to ask, what is your expertise? What is things that you're really good at and the things that you know you know the basics about? Who is your clientele is another good question to ask. And then also about their experience. Do you have uh, any certifications? How long have you been in this industry? Uh, because a lot of people call themselves financial professionals, but they're not. They're not licensed. They're not um, you know governed by any laws or organizations. And it's sad to say that you can wake up and say, I'm a financial planner and, and no one's going to stop you from doing that. But really, a financial professional, a financial advisor should come with some certification, some expertise and some education. And you should make sure to ask your person um, what what their expertise and their education is. So that is your money tip of the day. Hire a financial professional, but do your homework first. Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com.
first of all, let me tell you something. Well, you I don't know. If you you might me. ask me something. I don't think you could tell me anything. <laughs> first of all, you owe me an apology for hanging around in this studio to come on this show. I owe you an apology. Well, uh, I hope you're not going to stand there and wait for it, because if you do, it's going to be a pretty boring segment. See, you put your hands on me, Jerry Lawler. Nobody never, ever touched me unless I want them to. And I'm talking about a young, lovely tenderoni. And you don't look anything like lovely. For all you people sitting out there in the library now, looking on this free clip that they show for two or three minutes, I'm going to tell you something right now. You need to wake up Grandma Sarah, shake Uncle Leroy, let everybody know that the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Brickhouse is back. I can't get a meal in, I can't get in the shower, and not when eats in her sleep. Her just what the hell did you tell these people? Hey man, I told him to send the flyest, the hippest, the fattest girl. The what? The fattest, you know, pretty hot and tifty. But as you can see, these girls are definitely fat, Steve. <laughs> hey man, watch this, watch this, watch this. What? Hey, hey girls, look, chocolate. Hey, hey, control yourself. Okay, okay, no, it's fine. I'm sorry, Steve. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Better yet, better yet. Hey, girls, let's show Steve those dance moves I taught you. Let's get down with the Grandmaster. Hey, you're God, you're finally here. Get these things off of me. <laughs> I think she likes you, Steve. Give me some, dog. No. <laughs> you the man, Steve. You the man. I knew you liked him big. Yeah. Welcome back to the Robinson Show, everybody. I'm your host, Ed Robinson, and this past weekend was a sad weekend in the world of professional wrestling. We lost three giants in the industry, Nikolai Volkov, Brian Christopher, and Brickhouse Brown. And here to talk about those legends, I have them back on, my MMA and wrestling analyst, Eric E. Welcome back to the show. What's up, Ed? Thanks for having me. All right, man, let's get right to it. Nikolai Volkov, a big, big loss in the world of professional wrestling. Nikolai Volkov was one of the key superstars in the rock and wrestling connection during the 80s with what was then known as the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. Give me your thoughts about Nikolai Volkov and his presence within the company. Yeah, Nikolai Volkov, he was, they got a few wrestlers that I say were cut from a different cloth. Nikolai Volkov was one of them. Of course, Stan Hansen and the original Sheik, those guys were some tough, tough individuals and, I don't think 50% of the locker room today could go toe-to-toe with Nikolai Volkov. He was, he was a tough individual, and he was, a, uh, he was one of them brawlers. He was definitely, definitely a legend of the sport. It's interesting is that he, even though his character was a Russian, he was actually of Croatian descent. He grew up in Croatia, which was then part of uh, Yugoslavia, and then he was a member of the Yugoslavian weightlifting team until 1967, and then he received his training in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, from the late great Stu Hart. As you mentioned earlier, Eric, they had a, a toughness to them. They were either former weightlifters or powerlifters or former football players. They had an amateur wrestling background. That was one of the things that made Nikolai Volkov so special. We watched him in the ring. We knew he was very strong. We knew that he was capable of using his strength to his advantage in many matches. Receiving his training in Calgary under the uh, the legendary Stu Hart, you had to be tough to survive the dungeon. Yeah, that's definitely don't have anything like that these days. They try it with tough enough, but man, Stu Hart, you went down in that dungeon, you came out limping or with a cast on your arm. That, that definitely had to be tough. You didn't have to have light skin to get in there. You had to have some tough skin, and 
and really want it, really want to be a wrestler because if you didn't want to be it within a day or two, you knew right then and there, yeah, this this isn't for me. But he was just a tough individual, always brought it in the ring and always brought it outside the ring in interviews. You know, I used to love watching his interviews. So, yeah, it definitely uh, definitely uh, hit home when uh, they said that he had passed. Just because, you know, you become a family when you watch wrestling for so long, as long as me and you have been watching it together. Definitely uh, thoughts go out to his family. Well, yeah, let's just go briefly through his career. He, his first run was in the, in the WWWF. That was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation from 1968 to 1971. And then he returned to the company from 1974 to 1980. Then he wrestled in Mid-South and in the AWA for a while. And in his second return, this time to the Federation, the World Wrestling Federation teamed him up with his most famous partner, which was the Iron Sheik. And, you know, uh, the Iron Sheik would grab the mic. Well, Nikolai Volkov would start off singing the Russian national anthem. And then the Iron Sheik would say, Iran, number one, and Russia, number one, and say, USA sucks and all this other stuff. Certainly, what made these two so significant, they were very different, but they were a team that were made for each other. And it showed they beat the U.S. Express, Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham in that first WrestleMania on March 31st, 1985. Your memories of that match, if you remember it, and your thoughts on the team of Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Yeah, I remember that match from uh, WrestleMania uh, one. Um, that that was a tough team there. I mean, they they you, you no matter who you had in the ring at that time, you knew you was gonna get hurt because they they just loved to hurt and flip pain, and that's what they did, and that's why they was such a good team together. I thought they should have stayed a team a lot longer. I think they would have won multiple championships but uh a lot of that happens in the wwe a lot they get a team together and they don't you know let them go too far but uh yeah i remember that wrestlemania and i remember that match but uh i wish they would have stayed together a little bit longer maybe uh face you know teams like demolition maybe even the road warriors down the road the heart foundation you know it would have been nice to see them face the heart foundation you know with bret hart Stu hart's son against one of his dad's uh trainers that he trained that would have been pretty nice to see yeah well Nikolai Volkov certainly had a a storied career not just a great career in the WWF which was the, the World Wrestling Federation at the time but just a great wrestling career overall and he sadly passed away at the age of 70 so now let's get to our next superstar that had passed Brian Christopher the son of Jerry the King Lawler now Eric we know about the strange relationship between Brian and his dad but he made a name for himself. He really came came into his own when he got to the WWF with the light with him and uh, Scotty Too Hotty. They were known as Too Cool. They were former WWF tag team champions. But Brian Christopher also made a name for himself in the USWA in his hometown of Memphis where his dad, Jerry Lawler, grew up. Do you remember Brian's years in Memphis when he was in the USWA? Yeah, I remember some of it. You know, he... he to me, he didn't try to even mimic his father when he was there. He just tried to be his own name. That's why he never used the Lawler name. But uh, I figured he should have stayed there. I didn't really like what they did with him in WWE. You know, um, Scotty Too Hotty and Too Cool, whatever name that name they had. And they had, they had a tag team title run, but he just never could escape you know, the Lawler name, and I think him and his dad had an extreme relationship because I remember an episode on Raw when they confronted each other in the ring and he told his dad, I never wanted to use your name because I didn't want people to know I was your son. And 
it went on and on. But, uh, you know, when you got a father like Jerry Lawler, now WWE Jerry Lawler's career, was, to my opinion, was crap. It, it was no good. He made his, like you said, his name in other um, promotions and territories, and he was the Hulk Hogan of those territories. He won multiple world titles outside of WWE. But uh, I wish, I, you know, Christopher could have maybe became a different character in the WWE, maybe became some, somewhat of his own, but it seemed like they just never wanted to go that direction with him. Well, they did a diff- the company did a different direction with him because they teamed him up with Scotty Tuhati and... Brian, uh, Brian Christopher changed his name. He became Grandmaster Sexay, and him along with Scotty Tuhati, and then later Rikishi would join the trio known as Too Cool. And Grandmaster Sexay and Scotty Tuhati became WWF Tag Team Champions by beating Edge and Christian on a Monday Night Raw in May of 2000. Now, Eric, we were in the period of the tag teams in the late 90s and early 2000s. Too Cool, Edge and Christian the Brothers of Destruction, a whole sort of teams that were coming out during that period of time. How would you rate Too Cool, not just during that period of time, but throughout the history of tag teams in that company? Uh, I don't even have them on a list, to be honest. I mean, yeah, they, they won the titles one time on Raw. I remember that match. And uh, the Hardys was also in that era, too, who was also putting up some great matches with Edge and Christian. But, you know, they, they came... You know, I think that's why they put Rikishi with him after a while. I think I think their their flash was going away, so I think they stuck Rikishi with him to give him a little bit more push. But you know, they was entertaining. You know, definitely entertaining. You know, they did the boy did the worm and all that. He come off the top rope and come out dancing, and it. You know, I always wondered what, what did Jerry Lawler think of that character? You know, to come out dancing with baggy pants, a hat kicked backwards, you know, jewelry on, almost almost like a John Cena, if you remember his character. He's similar to John Cena, just a lot more dancing. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, that tag team, maybe it could have been something else if they were different characters. But my opinion, it, it was, you know, it's just a flash. They came and was gone as quick as they won the titles. They quickly lost them. So I won't put them up there too, too high. After Brian's success with Too Cool, Brian got into some trouble as recently as 2009 for this, he was arrested for disorderly conduct. After that, he was arrested for public intoxication. And then as recent as earlier in the month, he was again arrested and jailed for, for a DUI charge and for evading the police. And then we know what happened. He committed suicide by hanging himself in a jail cell and was observed to be brain dead. And he had been on life support, but he passed away at the young age of 46. So, I guess I, what I remember about Brian Christopher is someone that had a nice run in the WWE, primarily known in the Memphis Territory. His dad, uh, Jerry Lawler, a fixture in the Memphis Territory, but Brian was someone that made a, a claim for himself in Memphis and also worked in the USWA and the GWF. Last thoughts on how you about Brian's career? Um, yeah, so his career, he, 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 I guess you could say he, he made it. You know, he was in the WWE. He was a top tag team for a little while, won the tag team championship, so you can't take that from him. He definitely he made where a lot of people never made it. He been to WWE. And, you know, and him committing suicide, you know, I just, you know, let people know that committing suicide doesn't solve a problem. It doesn't take the pain away because it adds pain to other people. Because once you die, everybody feels that, especially his father and his mom. Any other siblings probably hurting right now because of it. And, you know, it seems like a trend right now. You know, Robin Williams, um, J. 
Chester, the lead singer of uh, Lincoln Park, and uh, that dude off the Travel Channel. Don't remember his name, but he hung himself in a hotel a couple of weeks back, you know. And it's Anthony just, Bourdain. Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. That's who it is, and it's just like wow, you know. Forty-six years old. Everybody has a slump. You know, I've been in my slumps. You've been in your slumps. You come out of them and you learn from them. And I guess maybe the the failure of DWIs and going to jail and what is dad to think, what is Santa think? You know, it, you know what goes through a man's mind. But uh, really sad that he passed at a young age, at any age. You know, it's just watched him as a kid. You know, when he was young, he was. It was entertaining. Like I said, I don't think I think he could have probably done a little bit better. Maybe he should have took the Lawler name, you know, and maybe it would have helped him. Maybe it wouldn't have. But uh, sad to see it happen. Sad to hear it happen. And um, you know, like I said, my thoughts and prayers go to his family as well. Well, well said, right there. And uh, we move on to another giant that passed away over the weekend. I don't know some a lot of people in the Southern Territory will be familiar with him, Brickhouse Brown. Now, Brickhouse Brown was someone that was popular in the independent circuit, primarily around Texas and certainly was popular in the Mississippi area and certainly popular in the Memphis territory. He had a big run in the Memphis territory. His prime years were in Memphis from 1987 to 1997. He won his first singles title, which was the AWA Southern heavyweight championship by beating one of the names we mentioned earlier, Jerry Lawler in July of 1987. He also went on to win Several more titles, including the CWA in that territory. So Brickhouse was certainly popular throughout the South, but his prime years were in Memphis, and then he continued to wrestle in Tennessee as well as Mississippi. Now, in April of 2017, before we get back into his medical and the personal issues he was having, Eric, I know you weren't too familiar with Brickhouse Brown, but can you kind of tell the audience a little bit about what Brickhouse was about just in terms of being a, a popular superstar in the Southern Territory? Yeah, we, like I said, I really, really wasn't 100% familiar with him. But um, he was a great mat wrestler. He'll get you on that mat and he'll, 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 he'll put some some pain on you. And you know, he wants some titles. I don't think what he would do if he came to the WWE. Maybe in the 80s he might have been a, a top star, but... You know, he, he wrestled a lot, a lot of out, you know, Texas and Memphis, and he, he did his thing in those 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 territories. And by what I'm, you know, by what I know, he was a, a very compassionate wrestler. You know, he brought everything every time he went in the ring, and he always be remembered for that. You know, in April of 2017, he was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. In May of this year, the cancer had spread to his brain, despite treatment that impaired his eyesight and reduced his weight to 150 pounds. There were several Southern promotions held benefit shows to help pay for his medical bills. And there was a, another wrestling club that helped pay his rent. Now, you, you know, Eric, this is one of the things we hear about a lot. A lot of wrestlers that we watched over the years, a lot of them, sometimes they think that the career is going to continue to go on forever and ever, but life hits you sometimes like a ton of bricks, man. And when, you know, as they say, health is wealth, and a lot of our heroes that we cheer on don't have the the resources to pay for their medical needs or housing or their you know their their day to day living expenses. This is something that that's gone on far too long, and definitely this is something definitely something that's going to have to be talked about in the future to put together some type of healthcare fund or a foundation or something like that to help wrestlers in need. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, and a lot of wrestlers from the 80s, you know, they didn't make the money that, you know, wrestlers make today. They're in more movies. They do commercials. They have more sponsors. But, uh, you know, movie, if no one's seen this movie, it's called The Wrestler with Mickey Roar. That is the movie that shows you what could happen to a wrestler so fast from being on top to being on bottom. And it's a very powerful movie and probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's called The Wrestler. Anybody's never seen that? I don't know if you've seen it, Ed, but watch that movie, and it gives you a perspective on a life of a wrestler. And it's and it's definitely like you said, you know, it it is it's it's being rich one second and poor the next. Can't afford rent. Got living your like he lived in his van a while. He had a heart attack. He was wrestling in small promotions and little like little auditoriums. He went from being a top wrestler to just just barely making it. And that's how. A lot that goes on today. A lot of people don't understand that the wrestlers we cheered on in the '80s, you know, they're 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 just making ends meet these days. And most of them, them tore their hip up, tore their knee up, hurt their necks, and all the wrestling they did. And they he can't wrestle no more. And they and they pretty much just like you said, just making about the skin of their teeth. Yeah, that was a great movie. I happened to see it. Mickey Rourke played. He did a great job in that movie, The Wrestler. I think what was his character? Yeah, that was a classic. What was his character's name? Randy Ran or something like that? Yep, yep, Ran. Yep, the Ram. You jump off the top rope. Put yeah, his hands up to his head like a, like a, a ram and uh-huh. jump off the top rope onto you. It was a good movie, real good movie. If you look in that movie, um, um, our truth is in that movie too. If you look well, you see him in that movie as well, and it was a, just gives you a perspective on. You know, wrestlers, you know, people think all the glimpse and glory like you see today. We're not always like that. And some of the wrestlers today go broke, you know. You just got to, they sacrifice their body for so many years, you know. And and then when it's all over and all the fortune and fame is gone, you know, you're left alone. And and like, you know, with um, Christopher, you know, know, he was so so high into his highs and got low into his lows. And some people just, just can't take you know, failure in a way, you know, I'm not saying he failed as a human being, but when your father is Jerry Lawler, you don't live up to those expectations. Not a whole lot of second generation wrestlers do. I mean, look at Curtis Axel, who's just now the tag team champ, but he's nowhere near what his father, Mr. Perfect was. And, you know, you look at the rock and Randy Orton, they, they did it. They made it. But, you know, a lot of wrestlers, you know, Ivan Pusky, his son, Scott Pusky, come to the WWE back in the early nineties. No one knows. No one knows about him. I remember him, but you know he couldn't make it. But uh, it, it, it's sad sometimes, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps of someone as great as your father. You know. Yeah, you're right about that. So, sadly, with Brickhouse Brown, he passed away at the young age of 58. So, it was a a tough weekend in the world of professional wrestling, but. We still have the current superstars and the legends that are still here. As they say, Eric, we got to give them their flowers while they can smell them while they're still here. So that's very important. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I, that's why I watch wrestling. Because, you know, you, you become part of these, these people some in some ways, you know. You, like I followed Hulk Hogan for so many years. I followed, you know, Macho Man before his death for so many years. And, you know, when stuff like this happens, if you're not a fan like me and you, we're general, we're fans. And it, it hits home a little bit. Grew up watching a lot of these guys. And just to see, you know, some of them crumble and, 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 and think there's no way out, you know. They, you know, I mean, maybe some head injuries 
occur, you know, on um, Christopher. Maybe he has some head injuries or something. You know, it makes you do crazy things. But uh, just all three of them passing, you know, it, it, it's a wake-up call. And, you know, life is very fragile, you know, and take it one day at a time and just live for the day, you know, because no one's promised tomorrow. You're right about that, buddy. So we've uh, we've discussed uh, the heroes that are gone, and now pretty soon we're going to be discussing the heroes that are still with us. And in the next uh, few weeks, I'll have you back on. We'll do a preview of SummerSlam, so that should be exciting. That's one of the WWE's premier wrestling events, so something to look forward to. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. By rumors going around, hopefully some of these matches – that I hear are coming up and they, and they do them. And yeah, you know, this is like the second WrestleMania. It's the biggest event next to WrestleMania, in my opinion. I think WrestleMania SummerSlam. I remember as a kid watching SummerSlam with Hulk Hogan, your Macho Mans, Beefcakes, Bret Hart's, and Rowdy Pipers. And man, WrestleMania SummerSlam, that, that, that's my two events. So hopefully SummerSlam lives up to the, to, to the hype. And um, hopefully we have a nice pay-per-view and we can have a good time talking about it. Well, you heard it from him. That's my MMA and wrestling analyst, Eric, doing what he does best. Eric, thank you so much, and we will talk again real soon. Thanks so much for being on the show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Coming up, we'll have more of The Robinson Show. You stay tuned. Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com. Don't forget to follow the Sports Talk with Friends Facebook page and tune into the Sports Chatter Show every Friday at 7 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com. Fridays at 7 p.m. on the Sports Chatter Show on Blog Talk Radio. That's going to do it for this week's show. I'm yours truly, Ed Robinson. And remember, put God first in everything you do and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. I'm out. Peace. Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com.